Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. Once again, Josh Bales and Phil Moran, are some of our regular hosts, are unable to be with us, but we are so appreciative of Ryan Hemphill of the Treasure Valley RPCNA being with us this morning. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you again. For, yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's good to have regular guests. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not a special guest anymore. He's not a special <laughs> He's not special because he, he has actually moved beyond that. Right. Not yeah. below I've that. attained to a higher plane. Yes. Yeah. We are very, very excited because a week from today, we are going to have the Reformation Boise Conference Last-minute preparations are being made, but for the most part, speakers are coming. I'm assuming that they have their their talks written. I don't know that for sure, but I'm assuming so. Uh, Books have been purchased. Food is on the docket. Programs will be going to press shortly. We are excited, and we would love to have you there. Um, So if you have not registered, remember it's a free conference. It's Friday night. Um, uh, Doors open at 6 or 6.30? 6? Six. Six. Six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so it starts at seven. You'll have time to observe uh, the the book tables before you even go into a meeting, but uh, you know, it'll be a, a wonderful time to get together. So when did the doors open? If it uh, starts at six, when did the doors open? No, the doors open at six. Oh, okay. The conference starts at seven. At the next seven. morning, okay. I think the doors open at eight or 8.30 in the morning, begins at nine. Derek Thomas is speaking twice. Joel Beakey, Dr. Beakey is speaking twice. And then there's a question and answer. Um, there'll be singing, times of fellowship, times to be able to just check out different ven- vendors that are there and, and book tables. So we are excited. Yeah, and if you, you haven't know, registered yet, if you're the 500th, Russ will have a prize for that's you. That's right. Well, I and will. And the thing is, you don't have to register, but there is a benefit to us in the fact that we know you're coming and we can prepare bulletins and to make that uh, benefit to you. Um, there is a there will be an occasional drawing for uh, you know to give away something. We do know that. The lot is cast into the lap, and God determines the result. So, you know, you can be praying toward that end. Maybe you want, maybe, you know, but uh, you know, God will determine who that person is. Yeah. So we are been talking about one of the topics that will be talked about, and so what we're trying to do is whet your appetite for what's coming. That you'll say, well, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be somebody that can speak better to this topic. And there is. That's Dr. Derek Thomas. So we're preparing you for his talks by talking about the communion of saints and then letting him provide the the, the deeper, richer insights and maybe even some correctives along the way. Mm-hmm. But we have, the last couple of days, have talked about this topic. If you missed any of those, you can go back and just listen to it on your – just subscribe to the podcast, The Gospel for Life, and then you can go back and listen. But 
Today we want to look at this idea that Paul utilizes in so many of his letters is the metaphor of the church as a body. Mm. So how does this metaphor, and primarily he develops this the most fully in 1 Corinthians 12, how does this metaphor inform our understanding of the communion of saints? Because, and you've referenced 1 Corinthians 12, which talks about the gifts that have been given, and actually it says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So these gifts that have been given to us in the church, Paul is saying to these Corinthians, you've been given these extraordinary gifts, but these gifts don't belong to you. They belong to the whole body. God gave you that gift for the common good. So... Uh, you know, earlier in First Corinthians, you know, where people were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, uh, or I'm of Peter. Well, Paul, Peter, and Apollos, they all belong to the whole body. They belong to everyone. And so, uh, and because we belong to one another, I think this is where, um, you know, when we understand the communion of saints in the body and the, the use of those gifts, that that that's lending an understanding to what we have in common with each other. Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of ways that this can apply to our discussion. You know, first, kind of on the immediate local level, uh, this really, I think, gives us a, an expression and a clear picture um, of what the love and the communion that we're to have together. As Paul says, you know, when one member of our body hurts, the whole body is hurting. And uh, uh, when we rejoice, we rejoice. And and there's that intimacy there of support with one another and loving one another. And then, you know, there's also the idea of whether you have a prominent position of the church or you have kind of a more back seat, you know, behind the scenes position in the church, you're still needed and important because there are more prominent visible parts of the body, and then there are those <clears throat> parts of the body that are covered and and uh, uh, treated with more respect. So, you know, there's there's a, a unity there and a common purpose that we have in lending our gifts, as Jonathan said, to the body. But to our discussion yesterday, I think, too, this could apply more broadly to the uh, various denominations that we have. I mean, we have... Um, we're not all an arm. We're not all a leg or a foot or a hand. I mean, there are differences in the broader body as well, mm -hmm. and yet we have a common head, and I think that's can be applied here as well. Yeah, and and through that, you know, you might you might find that there are some churches, some bodies that are uh, lend themselves to teaching, uh, others that lend themselves to you know the the. Maybe just the preaching of God's word. Some of some are, you know, kind of an educational church. Some of them are, are preaching pulpits. Some of them are, you know, spend more time, you know, in the inner social networking of one another. And so there's differences that might take place, but but they're all using their gift. They're using the gifts that have been given to them to edify the whole church. Well, I even think sometimes this is what motivates us as a church to partner with par some parachurch organizations mm -hmm. that we will say in this particular case, you have a unique giftedness that allows you to meet a need of the broader kingdom work that we as a church don't have the ability to do. And so we'll partner with you in that work to help mm -hmm. foster kingdom work. Mm-hmm. 
that we see giftedness in you. So like we partner with Ligonier Ministries and we think that they are able to accomplish things that naturally we can't do as a church, but we can help equip them to to do. So it breaks down yeah, a little e- bit. Even, but even, even seminaries or something like that, you know, uh, individual church might not have the gifts necessary to train up someone in the languages and and the other disciplines uh, for ministry, but we partner together with others, you know, and we do that within our own federation. You know, we have uh, a, what we call a church assistance fund, you know, where those churches which are have more can assist churches. And this is what happened, you know, when Paul went and was collecting for the saints in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, it was because of a communion of saints that you could go to these distant places and ask for support for brothers and sisters that were suffering in another city. When I uh, I grew up in the RPCNA, so you know I'm a son of the denomination, and I had never visited our denominational seminary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is our mecca and our, our holy land. But um, when I went back, I was actually really surprised. I kind of expected it to be, well, small and a few RP students here and there wasn't really sure what to expect, but the seminary itself has a broad ministry to the church as a whole. And you have students of the RP students are a vast minority in the seminary. And yet it's, we are teaching our standards, but mm-hmm. that biblical teaching then is going out to these other venues and avenues and people of the whole body. And so it's always really encouraging that. I, I ended up going to Puritan Reform Seminary, which is actually a seminary that was founded to train heritage students and free reformed students. And when the seminary first began, that was all that was there, is heritage students, free reformed students. Um, When I was looking at seminaries, really the primary reason why I chose Puritan was that not only were there very few of those two denominations there, there were probably at least a dozen or more, probably 20 or more denominations, reformed denominations represented in the seminary. And at the time that I was going there, there was probably 15 to 20 nations Mm -hmm. represented at the seminary. And that was attractive to me to learn with brothers across the globe Mm -hmm. and across the nation from different reform perspectives. And I Mm -hmm. felt like from each of them, I could learn something. Mm-hmm. Well, this is you know you, going back to where we were at in First Corinthians twelve. You know he says there, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we have that. The the reason why we have that community is because of these ones, you know, the, the one body, the one spirit, the the one baptism, the one Lord, one faith. Uh, mm-hmm. That's 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 the message that we're communicating. This is going to break down just a little bit, and I understand going into it that it will break down. But um, so my wife and I, we have five kids, and um, four of them are now primarily out of the house. And with each child that leaves, we mourn a little bit mm-hmm. because the dynamic always changes in the home every time and another one leaves the home. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is that as our children interact, 
there's something that each of the kids bring out of another one of the kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that other people don't. Mm. Right. Um, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. But mm. it, it, that we miss that interaction of them in, in, in total. And it doesn't mean that we love the kids that are left less, but we just feel like we have less of them. Mm-hmm because we don't have the the aspect and i sometimes think of church life that that way that we're we're this unit we're this this family that other people as we interact with one another they give to other people and bring out of other people things that other people can't and and it's this collectiveness that's so beautiful to me well and you know speaking to that you know when we gather together on a sunday and you know, there are people that are missing. They don't realize what it does to the people that are there. Yeah. You know, this is a this is the season for a lot of men who are out in the hills hunting um, <laughs> for elk. You know, I mean, if if they're if they're visible members of your church and they're gone, um, you feel that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, and and we do that with other things. Um, you know, as you were mentioning, when one person in the body suffers. We all suffer. Mm-hmm. We we share in that suffering. When one person is rejoicing, we're rejoicing together. When you know the birth of a child becomes a, you know an event for the whole church, you know, and just as the loss of a life becomes a a, a sorrow for the whole whole church, we have this uh, we have this relationship with one another in the communion of saints. We belong to one another. We glory in one another. We are responsible for one another, and we care for one another. And so we have these mutual obligations to one another, and we have a fellowship in one's gifts and graces, and we share mutual concerns for our temporal well-being. We have a common mission, a common destiny, and these are this is the beauty of, of the communion of the saints. It's not... It's not natural, except that it is natural to those that have been born again in the family of God. Yep. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this is at least uh, an encouragement for you to, to, to plug into the body, mm-hmm. to be an active member and bring the, the giftedness that God has given you into that, that communion of saints that you belong to. Well, we will see you next time. <laughs>